it's time to share your story. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday once again. Thank you for joining us here on Block Talk Radio, Revealing Conversations with Petra. So it's, it was a very interesting morning for me. I had this big plan that everything was going to go, you know, every 15 minutes all planned out from 8 o'clock on, and often I wake up at 4 in the morning and then I write for a couple of hours and then I go back to bed to take a nap. And this morning, everything was sort of upside down and a little bit chaotic, so I'm really happy to be here with you now and uh, take a deep breath in and sort of calm down. And and it was um, nothing in particular, just uh, different phone calls and different things that arrived, you know, nothing nothing major, but it definitely uh, changed my plan. So if you ever, if you're one of those people like myself where you like to have a schedule and you like everything very calmly planned out and then suddenly something happens and you have to change gears and wear five different hats, raise your hand. I can't see you, but raise your hand if you're one of those people. So wearing five different hats once in a while in a day, that happens to me quite often. And so how do we shift gears? That's the question here. How do we, how do we shift from one um, thing that you're doing, like say you're in your job and you have to uh, do 20 different things at the same time, and not everybody is good at, uh, at juggling a lot of things. And I find sometimes when I juggle a lot of things that the things that I'm doing are not done as concise and as, as expert as I'd like them to be. So I have to let go of my perfectionism. So if you are a perfectionist like myself, then you know uh, the pain that you go through. <laughs> so tap yourself on the chest, and I do some EFT tapping and say, okay, it's okay not to be a perfectionist and to just let it go. But today we have a uh, workshop. We have at 5 o'clock the Secret to Quantum Transformation, uh, the seven insights. Today we're working on the insights giving and receiving. And again, it's not too late to sign up for that. So you can just go to patreonnicole.com and that's N-I-C-O-L-L and sign up for it. And I'll send you the workshop. We love to see you online and with you. And um, also, again, for the free meditation, the complimentary meditation and coaching sessions that are offered on the site, I would love to hear from you and uh, speak with you about what you might need. But I have a very special friend on the line with me today. Her name is Mary Alice Coleman, and she's an inner life coach mentor, international author, and workshop leader for women who are tired of struggling with the effects of hidden shame and pain stemming from childhood abuse and trauma. Combining the education of how the brain functions to survive abuse, the subconscious deriving meaning from it, habits formed, and the mind secretly controlled by ill coping mechanisms. 
and the development of personality, Mary Alice Coleman dives deep to help bring alignment and coherence to one's inner connections in order to bring about inner peace, outer success, and living in their true essence. Welcome, Mary Alice. Hello. Hello, Petra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always so such a delight to talk to you, and um, I feel very honored to be a part of your show. Well, I'm so happy you're here. Normally, we see each other at, uh, there, when there's a lot of food involved, so this is really <laughs> great. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, I met Mary Alice at, a, as a, at an author party, and uh, we've met since a few times at different parties, and I'm very excited that we are uh, together here today and that I get to see you more often, so um, welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Such a delight. Thank you. So I've read your book, uh, Shatter, Shame, and Shine, which I think is, is remarkable, and anybody that's gone through abuse really needs to get this book and read it. And I can't even imagine uh, what your life must have been like when you were little. And, you know, um, it, it's it's uh, really uh, extraordinary how much you had to overcome and how incredible your work is. So can you uh, talk a little bit about your life? Sure. Um, just to give a background, I grew up in a an upper middle class home when there was upper middle class at the time, <laughs> and uh, I was one of eight children. I had one brother, and I have six sisters. And I um, was in Catholic school at the time, and we were a close knit family. My father was very narcissistic and kind of angry all the time, and my mother was a depressed woman, which because of her own past, but she was depressed. So I grew up kind of having to figure out who I was and what was life about. And um, when the abuse happened when I was about six or seven, um, then I really was thrown into a tizzy of what, uh, what does this mean? And I knew as a child... I remember very, very specifically, intuitively knowing this is not right, this is odd, this is weird, this shouldn't be happening. My intuition and my essence knew, but because I was such a little girl and my humanness, I began to form belief systems about who I was or wasn't in the world. And that is not uncommon for most children because children tend to learn who they are by how they are treated and thus begins certain coping mechanisms and styles that get developed and belief systems that just aren't true, but a child's mind doesn't know the difference. So that was the beginning of my, of my growing up years and, you know, as a child in elementary school and going into junior high. So by, by high school, I had a very, very certain belief system about life, about God, about people, about the world, which everybody does. Everybody does the same thing. I'm not unusual that way. It's just that when you've been abused, you develop ways of living and coping that really are great at the time because our mind is genius that way, but that by the time we're in high school and adults, it becomes so embedded, we think 
that's just who I am. And that's just a part of me. And that's the false part of us that needs to be shed and changed. So that was my work. And that's how I started my own personal growth and development and getting help for myself and then delving into the world of psychology and getting my degree and helping others and developing my own understanding of what happens to a child and how the brain is affected by trauma. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was your father that you're speaking of. Yes, it was my father. There was a priest. There was a neighborhood boy. Although boys, they're more, although it can be deemed as abusive, but a young boy, they're just more curious than anything else. But for me at the time, I just clumped it into, added it into my perception of boys and men. Which was what? Which was that that they were shallow, that they needed, you know, this is all they wanted. Um, and I didn't even understand it. Um, I really didn't have proper sex education within my family. It was, it was in school, actually. But I was just concerned about the power they held or that their, to get more specific, that their penis held over them that they couldn't even control and which was very confusing because we were taught to be, you know, hold in our emotions and to control ourselves and, you know, all the things that we're taught growing up and yet men couldn't do that. They had this hidden Mm -hmm. part of them that had to come out in a secretive and hurtful way. And so that was my perception as a, as a, as a child. So do you, uh, did you at any point uh, tell your mother? Uh, I did not because of the fear that would ensue. I mean, I was told if I ever said anything, the family would fall apart and it would be my fault. So mm. at eight years old, that's a huge, huge thing to ponder. <laughs> and mm. there's a lot, a lot of fear that I carried. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, my dad was, um, as I was writing my memoir, I I came across information um, doing my own research that my father uh, most likely was molested or abused by a Catholic priest. And he went to a Catholic school. And so there is this, this, you know, I mean, it's it's such a a mind warp (laughs) when you think about how, you know, the the priest is supposed to protect you and then whoever is there in that school that is, uh, you know, under that religious um, uh, guidance and then you're experiencing those things and at the same time you're being threatened and and told not to tell anybody because everything will fall apart. So it's very, very, very difficult to deal with that as a child. Oh, definitely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's... um, you know, and if you're in a religious family and it's happening, and of course, over the years, the stories I've heard from women who were in, you know, very religious homes and families and churches and whatnot had been abused by even deacons in the church. It's, it is overwhelming because then you associate abuse with God and, and where's the love? You know, a child just is 
trying to figure everything out. And if you have parents who are mentally disrupted or disturbed or the people around you, it's hard for a child to make sense of the world in the proper way. So, yeah, it's scary. It just makes you think, oh, who's this God that you hear about is loving, but this person is hurting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm not even sure we go that far. I think we, we um, may go to a place, at least some children do, of uh, what is wrong with me or do I deserve this or, or why, you know, I must deserve this to be treated this way. This right. Oh, exactly. Of- you you hit the nail on the head. That's why earlier I said children only know who they are by how they are treated. So when things like that happen, you wonder, well, why is this happening to me? And why is this going on? Am I a bad person? And, and all the questions, a lot of it is even subconscious, but it is very, very um, scary. And definitely you are, you hit the nail on the head on that. That's very true. Yeah. So uh, the people that I've worked with that have been molested or, you know, abused in some form, uh, really, that, what's so interesting is it's almost like the patterning of the brain, like the neural nets, the way they fire. There is some PTSD that gets triggered. I recognize that. And uh, it's very, very interesting how this can carry throughout someone's entire life where they never get out unless they actually seek out some help and they say, okay, enough is enough, or I, I'm now waking up. And, and so in your case, how old were you, Mary Alice, when you finally decided, wow, I need to do um, some work around this, this wasn't right, I was actually, when you actually acknowledged the word, when you said, I was molested, I was abused, how old were you? I was... Um... I was my late twenties when I actually got went into to get help. Uh, but it was way before that that I recognized the issue, and I did reading. I read a lot about it and tried to help myself. And I realized this isn't, you know, I do need I do need help. My marriage was really um, difficult from the start. I was married for twenty six years and to a man who became highly successful, very successful. And, um, but he had his own issues. And of course I attracted that in my life, not understanding, you know, we attract what we feel and think about. (laughs) So uh, he was a loving father, but in our relationship, we were just not, it wasn't working out well. So we sought out help. And it was during that time when I finally went, I got to talk about this. I have to say, this is in my past. This is what happened. I was molested. I was um, terrified. And, and then even other issues involving my childhood. But I want to say this, I want to add this scope of it, that over the years and um, over the many years that I was uh, very privileged to facilitate um, support groups for women and the workshop that I do, that I have over the years really, and it's probably divine wisdom, you know, learned to see the bigger picture. And when I see the bigger picture in a in a spiritual sense for me, um, a lot of this makes more sense. It doesn't make it right. It just makes it more sense. And I, it just 
I can understand certain aspects of people's behaviors. You know, I learned that my father was raped as a child and, you know, who know, you know, he suffered terribly and it really messed him up in life. And even though he was successful in his own right, he wasn't successful in relationships or being a father, you know, a really good father. He was a good provider, but he was abusive and not nice. And um, I learned to see that he was only doing the best that he could do. It doesn't take away any of the responsibility from him. It doesn't take away the fact that he was who he was and how he hurt me. But it, it explains things and it makes it easier, if I can say easier, to forgive and just move on. And also understand that we all are responsible for our own lives and what we can do to make it better. And my goal is to really helping women, and even men have read my book and have gotten a lot out of it, but women to understand who they really are. Because like you mentioned earlier, and we touched on, you know, that shame develops very young. And it's a shame that is really not ours to have, but it gets embedded in us. And it comes out in phrases and belief systems of I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. If people really knew what happened, they wouldn't like me. Um, I, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not all these feelings of not enough can be associated to that inner hurt little girl and that shame that was put on them. And it's, we need to look a little bit deeper and go, what's, what's even deeper than that, you know? And then we find our true essence. We find who we are. And in my workshop, I, I share how our true essence is always there. It never goes away. And it's connected to the divine or God or source or terminology you use to connect with, with our higher, you know, self and, and God. But it's that it's covered. It has a veil of that hidden pain and shame over it. That's just embedded and it's there. And what I like to help facilitate is for women to understand that that veil can be taken off and it's understanding how the brain works during trauma, how things happen in the brain and the neural networking that gets um, triggered and then patternized and belief systems become patternized and it's, and then goes back down to the subconscious. So we live by default. I talk about that in the book. We, we live by default. We just live not even thinking life can be different or not even believing that life can be different or we can be different because there's these deep embedded issues of embarrassment or shame. And it comes out even in being an angry person you know, being someone that is just triggered so often, but we can relieve triggers. Triggers, can, when you understand that it's controllable and that it's the brain trying to protect you in its own way, uh, the primitive part of the brain is, is not connected necessarily to the rational part of the front, frontal cortex. So the primitive part of the brain is always trying to protect us. It's always there 24-7 for survival mode. So when you have past memories or past words that trigger you or looks of people or sounds of, or smells or whatever that trigger you, that's the primitive part of the brain. And it, it was there, I mean, it's there still having this process going on in us that have 
when people understand it, you can control it. It's there for a reason. It's there for survival, and it's very, very important. But fear is fake. Fear is different than danger. But all day long, we have these fears that come up, and, you know, and then we have this, if I might do a sidestep of this presidential election who only was fear-mongering, knowing full well, knowing full well why he was doing it, knowing it was triggering this primitive part of the brain of people, instilling false fears and, and making up things. So he knew it very, very well. And a lot of the media do, a lot of shows do that. A lot of, um, I mean, just, I want people, I want the public to be aware that whenever there is uh, news of fear, false fears, pretend fears, or this might happen, or this could happen, they do it on purpose knowing about this. And a lot of people don't understand about the brain. They don't understand that this, that this fear mechanism in the brain is, is hot wired and it's there 24 seven. But when you understand it's there, then you can begin to talk to yourself and say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I feel triggered by this fear, but what's it about? So if someone has triggers of past abuse, their feelings or thoughts or a person or whatever might come their way, there are techniques and ways to understand that, that you can talk to yourself and go, okay, I, 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 I hear you fear. You're trying to protect me. But when I use my rational mind and I ask the right questions, none of it's true. It's not coming up as truth for me. So you, people can write about it, journal about it, they can talk about it, and then they can release it. Uh, Mark Waldman is a famous neuro uh, researcher and um, very expert in the brain, and I like, I like his work a lot, and people can look him up. But he, he shares that same concept of, and I write about it in my book called The Crap Board, C-R-A-P, and concerns, uh, it's, it's, it's oh, slipping my mind what C-R-A-P, anxiety and perceived fears, you can write about it. And when it's written down either on a, on a board or on paper and you put it aside and you can actually see it across the room, the mind and the brain has this way of saying, oh, wait, that's over there. That's not in me. I don't need that anymore. So it's really good to have like a crap board people can write things on and, or journal about and then put it across the room. And you can mentally and even tell yourself out loud, oh, that's over there. That doesn't, that doesn't concern me anymore. And that's one method of helping relieve some fears and anxieties. Mm-hmm. But it, no, what I love fear, about this is um, when uh, just recently, I don't know if you had a chance to see this movie Snapshot. I have not, no, huh? Yeah, it was a, I believe that's the title of the movie. It was about um, Boston Globe, a major newspaper in Boston that uh, caught wind of um, sexual abuse from priests in the Catholic Church. Oh, yes. Uh It was a big that happened, I think, a couple of years ago, or three years ago, maybe now. And it was so amazing to me, you know, because I was raised a Catholic, and um, I always had a, you know, I had more of a, a Fellini-esque, like Federico Fellini is a movie director from Italy. He passed away, but he did a lot of movies sort of bringing um, the story of Catholicism into his movies. And the mm-hmm. way I was growing up in Bavaria in a little village outside of Munich was very similar, where 
we will go into the confession stand and the boys and girls will be separated. And the priest that I had to confess to, I didn't know what to confess about, so I made something up, so at least I had something to say. And then mm-hmm. he was smelling knobs and cigars. And I was afraid oh. of him. I, my radar was up, you know. And so we we saw this sort of vein of of abuse and this, this energy of feeling, oh, there could be something there. But this movie really depicts it. And for me, uh, you know, when you're speaking about uh, how people are hardwired about certain things and understanding the archetypes and the fact that fear really is an illusion. I mean, we are in, I call it the reptilian brain. You know, when the reptilian brain is active, and, and you, you're so right, the whole election was geared towards fear of bringing the reptilian brain up to the forefront, and everybody's mm-hmm. afraid and acting crazy, even after the election, people still acting out and everybody's afraid and projecting things. I, I was just posting something right there in Hardy the other day saying, you know, basically we are creating our own reality and as you think, so you become. So what do you want to project out into the world without being ignorant or being too passive? Yes, we want to stand up for truth, but also we want to be really clear as to, you know, our own little lives are our own little lives, and we are the masters and the movie directors of our own life. <laughs> so mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. what do we want to create collectively? Because the only power we have is connecting with our village, with the people immediately around us, right? So, right. Yeah. And it's good to build a... Uh, um, a good community around you. You know, it's good to have good people around you who are like-minded and want to solve problems rather than be part of it. And that's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, a long time ago, I had a, a healing center and restaurant in Roseburg and I was asked to be part of the council of the Amqua Watersheds Council. And I also was friends with, the, with the big lumber people in town, you know, and they were always at each other's throat. And I mm. thought, you know, this is so ironic because I'm, I'm standing here on both sides of the fence, basically. I'm, I mm-hmm. understand the lumber industry and what they're doing. I also understand uh, on the other side what uh, the Amqua Watershed is trying to do by uh, arguing about trees being cut down and clear cuts and all of these things. And then we had this kahuna coming in from Hawaii who did a talk at the Holiday Inn in Roseburg. And he said, he said, it's not the lumber people that are killing the forest. It's your thoughts that are killing your forest. Oh, wow. Powerful. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Therein lies the lesson, Mary Alice. Therein lies the lesson. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's our thoughts, and our thoughts come from our belief systems and many of our belief systems from childhood are just false. They're not, they're not real or they're not true. And there are even, um, well, our brain isn't fully developed the rational part of the brain until our, till about 20 or early twenties. And so still until then there are all these, belief systems from childhood and junior high school and whatnot just keep 
circulating, going up, down the subconscious, up to our thoughts, down the subconscious, up to our thoughts. And we have 50 to 60, 60 to 70,000 thoughts that bubble up every day. And if the majority of those are of self-doubt or of pain or of hurt or that shame or anger or whatever, you're going to have thoughts whereby you're going to attract those thoughts and feelings because our thoughts create feelings. So when we have, and I wrote about this in the book, when, when about our thoughts and our feelings, because they actually bring to life, they manifest. And I ask, oh, how do I know this? Well, if you've lived a life of anxiety and fear or, or victimization or um, anger or you name it, and these situations keep coming up in your life with people where you continually are anxious or continually fearful or continually angry or whatever, you are producing what is going on inside you. And it's subconscious in a lot of ways. So the awareness, you know, bringing awareness and a light to this subject, I know in my life really opened up a whole new way of living and thinking for myself. And I know it's a lifelong process. We never really fully you know, we're always uncovering something in our behaviors or what we see in life or you're only going to see what you think you see or what you believe, what you think you believe. And I know this is getting kind of heavy, but it does have a lot to do with with those, our tiny years in life and what we were taught to believe or think. Mm, absolutely. Um, are mm-hmm. you familiar with, um, of course, you are. You studied psychology, Carl Gustav Jung's archetypes, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I love what uh, Carolyn Mace did with that, with sacred contract, and I, and I love doing the readings with the uh, sacred contract uh, work that Carolyn Mace put into uh, this book and uh, created these beautiful cards. And I, I often sit down with people, you know, and I have them go through all the cards with the archetypes. of, And then in mm-hmm. the end, they have 12 archetypes that speak to them out of 64. So there's, of course, mm-hmm. hundreds of them. The main archetypes, there's about 64. And it's really fascinating when people lay them out on this sort of graph that looks like the zodiac for astrology and the different houses that rule different things in their life. And when you see where the archetypes are of how, what's running what show in your life, you know, I, I like to refer to life as like a movie production. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one, play. yes. Mm-hmm. But if we do the shadow work, and, I, and I, I'm, you know, being German and all that, I love doing shadow work uh, in, on myself, and I like to help people to not be so afraid of the shadow but to go underneath it. Because once we uncover what the shadow looks like, it's like the boogeyman that you think lives under your bed, but it's really not even there until you finally have the courage to look under the bed when you're little, you know, in the closet or something. <laughs> right, exactly. And and I think when when we do shadow work, uh, it's, it's even refreshing in a way. Um, during... Pardon me, a walk several years ago, and I was in this forest, and it was gorgeous, and it was a bright, sunny day. But the sun was coming through the trees, and so the path ahead of me was just glistening with, with sunlight, and then the dance of the shadow of the leaves, and 
it just was gorgeous. And I thought about our lives and that, you know, what we think might be horrible or horrendous, the shadows of our life really are help contrast our beauty and our light, the light within us. And it creates this, this dimensional beauty. And when we don't allow the, our, our shadows to become dark, it's the darkness that's really the, the, the part that, you know, we happen to see in the world that we can't stand. But, but when we have shadow in our life, the shadow can just really offset our beauty and the light within us. I hope that makes sense. I'm just trying to, it really was clear to me on this walk when I was looking down this path and this gorgeous view of the leaves and the trees and the shadows and the light. And it was just a type of beauty that was, I can't even put into words, but I realized that wouldn't be the case had there be no shadows. Mm-hmm. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Love the way you just described that. That is so true, and that how that's how life is. And mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, one of my Israeli friends once said, you know, sometimes honey, sometimes onion, and you you have to have the opposites. <laughs> I mean, law of attraction. You know, what what's up must come down. There's opposites yes. of everything. It, it, I mean, when that's there's right. death, we are born and then we die. So mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, it's. The journey is about discovering, regardless of what happens to us, to discover what God or spirit has put in front of us and to then uh, become desireless and, and, and to accept what is. Because if we don't fight against it, I mean, I'm not saying you should let somebody abuse you, but we can't right. uh, continuously, as, an, as someone that has had experience what you did, you know, we have the choice to work on it and look at it for what it is. And like you said, your dad was also abused. Mm-hmm. So it is a cycle, right. it's a cycle that goes on for generations, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then who does it end with? The question is, is someone being born into that clan or into that family grouping that then wakes up into consciousness, into higher mm-hmm. consciousness and says, the abuse ends with me. Right. And exactly. That's what you did. Incredible. Yeah. And my mom was terribly abused as a child. So, you know, that it, it just cellularly, you know, that victimization I was born into even before anything happened to me. You know, there was just the the in in utero all those the cells and the and the feelings of my mother were already brought into me um so there's a lot to change and uncover and keep growing i mean i still have my you know there's still points of me where i go oh wow why did i just think that or where did that thought come from or that feeling and you know i'm still recognizing certain things in my own life that even after you know 30 years of of personal growth and development and getting my own health through help through uh, counseling and whatnot, you know, there are those moments, but what's so beautiful about it for any of us is that when we recognize it, that's when, you know, awareness is everything. When we have the awareness, then we can make the choice to make the change. And 
that's the point of conception between the divine and our, and our humanness is, is when that awareness hits, we do have a choice of going, going with it and saying, okay, I want to learn more about this. How can I make this different or better or change or, or whatever the circumstance might be? Or ignorance and denial will keep playing into effect and people will get so used to being in denial and, and being ignorant, they do nothing. And so they, they keep casting off that responsibility to other people, thus blaming and thus the victim mindset continues so yeah awareness is key i think it's the key Mm -hmm. absolutely so so your work tell me a little bit about your um uh work of what what's next for you mary alice you i know you're coaching and you're doing workshops and you have some groups you're leading um what's your goal for 2017 2017, I hope to, uh, what I'm working on is to bring together some wonderful people and experts in the field and do some interviews and to place them on womensgrowthnetwork.com. That is rather new this year and developing and growing. And on there is my audio workshop. It's in audio form. And I also want to include and keep developing uh, Women's Growth Network with interviews and offering people um, more insight and expert information from a spiritual aspect to a psychological aspect to emotional aspect to uh, the social aspect because all of it were it's a big ball of wax so to speak we are one big entity uh, that and uh, that envelops all of that you know we're psychological we're spiritual we have emotion we have social interactions. And how is that for you? Do you feel you're imbalanced? Are you balanced in all those aspects of life? Or do you feel good about all those aspects of life? And, and I know for many people, uh, it's, it, it, what happens is people get hyper-focused in one area that they're really, really good at, which is great, and they may become highly successful, but the other parts of their life is off-balance. So they, have, they struggle in relationships or they're emotionally uh, upset all the time or crippled or just emotionally shut down. So mm-hmm. what I want to bring to the table is, and, and even for myself, because I learn, I'm constantly learning from, from so many people, and even from you reading your book, Petra, which was wonderful, is that you know we, are, we need to be as balanced as we can be in all areas of our life. Uh, it's not always perfect, and I'm not saying perfection, but I'm saying it's important to understand the aspects of all our lives so that we can fully show up and be the best that we can be and have the self-confidence of who we are in our in ourself and in our essence and not be ashamed and not be afraid. Yeah, and, and overcoming that um, feeling of, there isn't enough or that we're not taken care of somehow, you know, it's, uh, I, I meet, I met in my life so many women who had this belief system that they had to be, uh, stay in abusive relationships in order to be financially or, or physically okay even because it would be taken mm-hmm. away otherwise, you know, and, and assuring right. people no matter what decision they make, they're always going to be taken care of because that supports, is uh, 
is there for them on so many levels, emotionally, physically, mentally. It's everywhere. And when we reach out and, and we unlock that secret, everything can come streaming in. It's the universe. You know, there's this, uh, this Osho Zen Tarot deck that I love, and there's this one card where, you know, you're stepping off the edge. It's like you're going down into free fall knowing that something's going to catch you. And life is like that sometimes where you're feeling, okay, I'm jumping now while I'm going down the cliff. <laughs> right. The spirit is going gonna, is gonna to catch me. Spirit is there right. to catch me. And so exactly. having, having a trust and realizing that we're not just, that this universe we live in, yes, we're in a 3D reality here, but there's a many, many more dimensions. And we truly do create our reality by not just the way we think, but the way we feel at, at the core. And so yes. working with people is, is so huge. So tell me a little bit more about the network. How did that come about? Women's Growth Network? It, mm-hmm. It's very interesting. I For years I had a, and the, and the website happens to still be up, but I haven't been active in it, called Change Your Aim, Change Your Life, which happens to be the name of the the workshop, meaning when we change the aims of our thoughts, then our life changes. So that's what the workshop is about. But over time, I wanted to um, expand. And so I have a dear, very dear friend and accountability partner who um, I admire very much. And he's, he's very uh, a creative person. He knows a lot of people. He he gets me. He understands where I come from. And one day he blurted it out. He goes, you know what? There's this title that came up called Women's Growth Network. And he says, for some reason, I see you in it. I see that is about you. And so I kept that under my hat for, for I don't know, three, four years. And then I started, I, I went, you know what? I'm going to use that. That is so great because it is a network. We need the network of women. We need a network of experts. We need help and support. And so that's how that came about. So I just started a website called Grim, uh, Women's Growth Network. And like I said, on there right now is the uh, audio workshop, which anybody can get a hold of. And, um, and I'm expanding from there, which is why I want to do more interviews and uh, get more experts on and support and help and even have a private Facebook group going i'm developing that as well on facebook there's women's growth network and i post things every day and we have some um chit chat that goes on there which is good but i also want to create a a safer i think people are afraid to show up on facebook with women's growth network thinking they'll be seen or associated with that and that's exactly what i want to get rid of is that hidden shame of like oh no what if someone finds out so um i want to develop a private facebook page uh probably after thanksgiving i'll be doing that and setting that up so there can oh, be more support I, I have a few mm-hmm. private groups on facebook and i i think I, i'm in, in in four private groups on facebook and i love it because uh, mm-hmm. there's really some wonderful dialogue that can take place so it's uh it's exactly now through social media. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, really, it is really wonderful. Great. 
So, mm-hmm. Mar- uh, Mary Alice, are you working on a new book, or are you working on um, so the Women's Growth Network? Is is this going to be apart from being a group on Facebook or a private group? Are you physically actually meeting with people as well? Is there uh, something you can share with the listeners? Well, well, I do have – I meet people on occasion. I've, I've slowed down my private work for, for a while, which has been fine, uh, so I can develop other things and just personally spending time with my family, my grandchildren, and whatnot. But what I hope to expand is um, – is doing group work and I'd love for women's growth network to just expand. And I have visions for that. And it's, it's the point of which in the part of the process of making it happen is, is allowing for the how to develop. And so I'm in that process right now. Cause in the past things have opened up all over, you know, all the time, but I've had to step back. And allow it to happen, so I could step into it and then take on the, the the work and responsibility. So I'm kind of in that point right now, and you probably know what I mean. Like we kind of have to just step back and wait and see what unfolds. So that that's where I am right now. You know, it's funny you say that. I just had that conversation this morning with my partner Jerry, and saying about how um, you know you can have the outline of something. But then there's a there's a, a, t- a perfect timing or an energy or you know whatever growth needs to take place in order for us to step into into it fully, integrated, mm-hmm. all the pieces right. in place. And I'm I'm doing something right now. You know I'm re- rebuilding my website and um, especially my coaching practice. And I had definitely some blocks around um, being able to be paid or receiving rewards from people in the, in the form of money for the work I do because my work is so intuitive and spiritual that for many, many years I believed that that was something I needed to always give away for free, which, of course, mm-hmm. then in turn doesn't pain me. <laughs> so right. I had to do a work around that. <laughs> right. No, I, I hear you. I, I volunteered. I did that for years just helping people and women and doing groups and whatnot, just volunteering. And um, it, I realize, and I still, I still don't mind helping at times, but it, it, but I understand you. It's like you get to a point where I understand that what, what I have to share in, in my uniqueness is so valuable and important. And because of my experience and my education and the work that I've done, that it calls for a reciprocal, re- uh, what's the word I want? Um, reciprocity, you know, the the give and the take, and the receiving and the and the giving. So I need to be more, much more open to receiving than I have been, and that's the lesson I'm learning too, Petra. So <laughs> oh, good. Maybe you wavelength. and I need to meet up a few times. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yes. You know, I I had some private coaching the other day for three hours around that very subject. You know, it's like mm. it's like uh, healer heal thyself first before mm. you go out right. and try to help people. So it, I I think with with people like us that are doing this work and have done this work for so many decades with people, you know, 
I have to get um, often down to the very shadows of my own personality, of my own uh, paradigm programming through my Catholic upbringing, and say, oh, there's that little uh, piece there that I need to uncover now, and that piece says that I'm not worthy of uh, asking for money in exchange for my spiritual coaching or my my advice because it comes Mm -hmm. purely from the heart and from love toward people because I love people so deeply. And then it's it's really interesting how I then retreat into being very quiet and I won't go out. Right, right. No, I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's, it's so important because it's part of the balance, isn't it? That I talked about earlier, it's part of that emotional balance so that we aren't overburden or under um, mm-hmm. under working so to speak or, un, or not taking care of what we need to in our lives because I know you and I know or I know as much about you that I have so far in our relationship which is pretty remarkable and I think you have so much to offer people and it's very valuable and I find that working with people who have been victimized are still struggling themselves with what is valuable to them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they want help. Yeah, they want the help, but they don't know, they don't seek it or find it valuable for their whole life. It's an investment when we help ourselves. And that's what's so important. That's what I learned over the years, the investment. I would not take back what I have learned and, and what I have gained with mentors and coaches and, and in counseling, that was such a huge investment in my life. I would never take that back. And I think it's so important that we people need to understand that we need to invest in ourselves. We invest in cars. We invest in clothes. We invest in makeup. We invest, you know, even in investments on the stock market. But so few people have the concept of investing in themselves in gaining the knowledge and the wisdom and the awareness and what can life be for them. And the only way we can do that is if we have those that go before us can help us. And it's connecting with that right person. Like for myself, I had to become very transparent with, within my own, uh, uh, to myself. And when, when you're unraveling your life and you're, you're basically spilling your guts and you're saying, okay, well, here I am. I'm going to be transparent. This is who I am. And, I, and we have to do the work. And we don't just do the work once. We do it regularly because every year something new will show up and sometimes every quarter or every six months or people will trigger us, you know, and, and so it's, it's just beautiful uh, when, we, when we arrive at that station where the soul consciousness gets it and says, wow, I do need help from my brothers and my sisters out there. And there are people mm-hmm. that are surrounding me that are here to give advice. They see me because I can't see myself in the way that others see me. Perfectly said. Yes. <laughs> Well, no, that's true. So <laughs> you're so beautiful. <laughs> I could talk with you for hours and hours, and what a fantastic <laughs> show today. So, Mary, 
Alice, can you uh, please uh, share with the listeners how people can get a hold of you, your website, or how you would like to be contacted? And I know you have something to give away for people as well. Can you share that? Sure, sure. Uh, I love, um, I have something on my website that if you just share your email, I don't spam, I don't write a whole lot of things, so don't even worry about, you know, you'll get something from me every day. That's not how I operate. But if you opt into the website at womensgrowthnetwork.com, and that's W-O-M-E-N-S-G-R-O-W-T-H-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com, womensgrowthnetwork.com, you will receive from me uh, an audio of me sharing with you six points of how to really shine. And that's the point of my book of Shatter, Shame, and Shine. And we are meant to be on this earth to shine. And like I shared earlier, sometimes our shine is a little dim, and we can polish it up and we can take care of that. So I gladly give you that. So that's your gift. And you can contact me uh, through Mary Alice at womensgrowthnetwork.com. And or even if you're on the website, there is contact information and you can contact me there on the website. Uh, I'd be glad to if you happen to be on Facebook and you're on Women's Growth Network on Facebook, you can private message me. I get a lot of private messages, which is really kind of fun. So, yeah, there are a lot of ways. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I love uh... Loved this interview this morning and uh, hope to see you again soon. And most of all, wish you a a beautiful Thanksgiving celebration. I hope you have a wonderful time. I'll be heading to Europe on Sunday, so I'll be posting a lot of pictures of the Christmas market in Munich and uh, other things. I'm, I'm planning on uh, doing some uh, excursions into the Alps and a few other exciting uh, things, photographing uh, stuff that I've wanted to do for a very long time and never got around to. So, Mary Alice, thank you for being here. Thank you, Petra. It's always a delight to speak with you, and thank you for having me on your program. I appreciate it very much, and I wish you a happy Thanksgiving and a wonderful time on your trip. Thank you. Thank you. And for you, the listeners out there, wishing you a happy Thanksgiving. Take a long walk in the forest, breathe in the fresh air, enjoy your life, enjoy your family. And if you don't have a family and you're around your friends or even if you're by yourself, enjoy your day. It is a beautiful life that we get to live. And uh, again, tonight at 5 o'clock, the secret to quantum transformation, the seven insights, the subject will be giving and receiving. And contact me anytime, our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash transformational story coach. Or just Google me and it will come right up. Wishing you all the best and we'll see you next Tuesday. Arrivederci. 